The currency in our wallets allows businesses to thrive, workers to be paid. But the problem with money comes when counter currency surfaces. Counterfeit bills look genuine, but are worthless. And the person who can't tell the difference suffers great loss. Could the problem of what happens with money happen with our faith? Could preachers be trying to sell us fake faith? Welcome to Crosstalk, a Christian podcast whose goal is for us to encourage each other to not only increase our knowledge of the Bible, but to take the next step beyond information into transformation. Our goal is to bring the Bible to life into all our lives. I'm Brian French. Join today's conversation as Kent, Vicki, and Nathan begin a conversation from the book of James on how we can be sure that our faith in God is saving faith. If you have a Bible handy, turn to James chapter 2, verses 14 to 19 as we join their discussion. Vicki, Nathan, have you or someone you know ever been a victim of receiving counterfeit money or goods? Oh, yeah, I've got a story for you. <laughs> Uh-oh. I, I had a yard guy. In fact, I've got two stories. I'll tell them fast. I had a yard guy that was just amazing, and he worked harder. Seriously, I think this is true. He worked harder than I think I have ever seen a man physically labor. And I live in Texas, and it is <laughs> hot here. Wow. Hot here. You, but, I mean, it's hot here. And he worked and worked and worked. Anyway, he got all through and I paid and he didn't charge me that much. And I tipped him above and beyond what he asked for. Well, that's and good. in tipping him, I gave him a $5 bill. And he came back the next day. Part of that tip, that $5 bill, was fake. It was counterfeit. <laughs> and he was angry. And I was just amused as heck. I was like, really? Really? How did you know that? I was just, I was I was so taken with it. He was not amused oh. at all. Oh. And then one other time I was in Mexico and I was in a drugstore and these two ladies were ahead of us and the mother said to the daughter I'll use my money. And and she did. And they paid in cash. And then later, the gal that ran the drugstore saw me in the streets and she was crying. And she said, are you friends with those ladies? And I said, no. And, and I said, why? Because I could tell she was upset. They had given her a counterfeit $100 bill. Mm. Oh. Well, to her... A hundred dollars was an enormous sum of money, and it's worthless. It's gone. Wow. Now, counterfeiters, they hurt because you think you've got something of value when you don't. Interesting, there's also such things as spiritual counterfeiters. Hmm. Both the Old and New Testament are clear that there have been and are spiritual counterfeiters, false prophets peddle a fake gospel and give people f false confidence in their relationship to God. And that the people who fail to spot the flaws of their forged teaching, they may discover too late that they have nothing but a worthless faith. 
That's why I'm struck by James' words to the leaders of the Jewish refugee church. You know, the ones who are responsible for selecting the preachers. And he says to them in verses 17 through 19, that faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there's one God? Good. But even the demons believe that and shudder. Here James is referring to the cornerstone of our Christian life. The Christian faith is based on faith. That's what Paul is telling us in Romans chapter 5 when he says we are justified through faith. This is the kind of faith that James is talking about. And he says there's such a thing as fake faith. Uh, what is genuine saving faith? He says, look, some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. They're separating the two. But James says, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Seems there were people then as now that were preaching that saving faith was merely just an intellectual assent, the commitment to follow Christ. Perhaps they raised their hand at a campfire meeting or were baptized at a church gathering. And because of that historical act, that one-time decision, they're pinning all their hopes of heaven on that. But James responds to this thinking by pointing out in verses, the last part of verse 17 and 18, that faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Oh, hear me well. James is not diminishing the importance of putting our faith in Christ. He's not talking about our works righteousness. No, but he's saying if that faith you placed in Christ is genuine, it'll make a profound change in your life. So in a sense, if I can um, murder that uh, proverbial saying, the proof of our salvation is in the pudding of our transformed lives. And notice how strongly he puts it in verse 19. If you believe, you believe there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Satan has pretty good theology. It's not that he doesn't understand the Bible. He just doesn't do it. There's no evidence of it making a change in his life. This is scary sounding stuff, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the fact is that maybe if James is correct, and I think he is, there are people listening today whose actions don't reflect Christ's work in their life. At the very least, this passage should lead to introspection, reevaluation of their faith in Christ. Right, and there, and there is a difference between people who want this to be a reality, to have the fruit of the Spirit in their life, and people who don't care, right? Because there are people sure. who fail to live up to this, but uh, but they're trying and they desire and they're praying for it. But then there's other people who are like, yeah, I don't care. I'm <laughs> I'm good. I, I got my fire insurance. And th there is a difference between those two type of people. Sure. And James is saying, if there is no difference, then there is no hope of heaven. Right. Right. So, but what's the difference? I mean, what is that? What is the evidence that uh, of a real faith, of a genuine faith. What does it look like? Well, here in chapter 2, verse 14 to the end of the chapter, James is going to talk about three different characteristics of genuine faith. We don't have time in this podcast to get to all that, but I do want to mention the first one. Uh, 
And the first one we see is in verse 14 through 17. Vicki, would you mind reading that for me? Sure, I'd be delighted to, Kent. It says, what is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Hmm. Here he's talking about um, our response to others. What kind of people here? What kind of ministry is James describing here? He's he's describing a ministry to people that can't pay us back. Yeah. yeah. People that are needy, people that need help. Yeah. These aren't people who we are leveraging for our benefit. These are people who have nothing to, to offer us. In fact, what's even worse is that to minister to these kind of people, it's going to cost us, right? Right. It's going to be a trip to the grocery store. It's going to be helping them with a tank of gas. It may be helping them with um, paying their bills. They can get through the month helping them out. This is not the kind of ministry that's easy or glamorous. This is a selfless ministry, a sacrificial ministry. I think what, what James is talking about here is that genuine faith will lead us to selflessly serve other people. I think that's a genuine mark of the genuine faith, because it's exactly the opposite of our sinful nature. Yes. I mean, root of all sin is selfishness. I mean, we're, we all think of ourselves first, and without the Holy Spirit's work in our heart, everything we would do in life would be in our own self-interest. But James says, no. If you really have saving faith, if you truly are children of God, you will be like him and you will act like he did. And Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. His life was characterized by humble, sacrificial service, all done for the benefit of others. And that is what characterized his disciples' life. He told them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And that's what should characterize our lives. When God is doing, has done a work in our heart, our response to those in need should be like that of the Good Samaritan, who when he saw someone broken, bloody on the side of the road, who could help him in no personal way, he stopped, picked him up, must have got his own clothes dirty and put him on his animal and took him to a hotel and paid for not only his lodging, but for his healing out of his own money. And he left, not demanding anything, not a Facebook like, nothing. He just wanted to help because that's the kind of person he was. Nathan, Vicki, do you know people whose faith in Christ is characterized like this, that they give themselves for this service of others sacrificially? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's so many of them. Uh, two that come to mind. One is uh, Pastor Bruce Baker. He is a, uh, I grew up in his church uh, for a number of years. He also uh, worked with uh, 
children's camps and really built into the lives of boys, my life personally. And if, if ever I could see the embodiment of God's love in a person and self-sacrifice, mm-hmm. it, it would be him. Uh, mm-hmm. He would always go out of his way. He would be busy and he could see a, a boy upset about something and he would stop and go talk to that person. And sometimes that person was me and, uh, and minister <laughs> and care and uh, just uh, incredibly, incredibly loving. And, uh, you know, and he's still doing it to this day. Uh, he's uh, still friends with my parents back in New York. And, and frankly, when I was a little kid, he was very old and, uh, and I don't, <laughs> and he's still very old, <laughs> continuing to serve the Lord in his quote unquote retirement. And then, you know, another friend of mine, uh, his name's Skip Brown, and he started an organization that just rallies churches to go and help people in poverty situations to rebuild their lives, uh, rebuild their homes, put on wheelchair ramps, fix leaky roofs. And, Hundreds, if not thousands of people have been served by him. He doesn't ask for accolades. He doesn't ask for a, a pat on the back. He, mm-hmm. he does it and, and he does it in the name of Jesus to show people that they matter and that there is a God in heaven who sent his son Jesus Christ and died on the cross mm-hmm. for them. And this is evidence that there is a God because his people are coming to serve you. Uh, and he's been doing this. I don't know. My goodness, like 15 plus years and day in, day out, barely a day off. Isn't that wonderful? My dad had a Sunday school teacher that he used to talk about a lot. My dad grew up in the slums of New York, and he had a Sunday school teacher, and he used to say of him, he cared enough to teach an interesting Sunday school lesson. Mm. And my dad was in a gang. He led a gang, and he would bring the gang members with him. And the only reason they came is because you had to go to church in order to play on the basketball team. (laughs) <laughs> so it wasn't like they were interested in being at church. But but this guy made Sunday school interesting. Yeah. And not only that, but he went, he was the only person from the church, my dad said, who came and visited him at his apartment. Mm-hmm. And his apartment mm-hmm. was in the roughest neighborhood in the United States, according to wow. Time Magazine. It wow. was a dangerous neighborhood. Wow. Well, fast forward, you just read something, I don't have the words handy, but that you'll spin off saints, Kent. I don't remember what the verse said. <laughs> but but his daughters now are little John Mygats. Um, his daughters, Bunny and Jesse, they, every time I talk to them, they are taking in widows, they're taking in people wow. who are sick, they're taking in people who need help, whatever it takes. And, and I mean, it is sacrificial, non-glamorous, and, and they do it with a wonderful spirit and a great heart. And I don't know what these other, I don't know what these people would do without them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I am um, uh, crosstalk ministers in a number of different countries around the world. But when I am in India, I am amazed with the respect in the midst of an antagonistic Hindu culture, the respect people have for Mother Teresa. Ah. Years after her passing, she has enormous influence for the cause of Christ because of her humble sacrificial service. They saw in her something that could not be denied. They saw God at work in the way that she was serving others. And that's what happens when 
when your faith is real and you begin to imitate Christ in your selfless service of others, your ministry multiplies. Those are great examples you shared. Because when you minister to people who are needy, guess what? They're looking for a savior. They're open. And so that's fertile ground for you to share the gospel with them. And, and when you minister sacrificially, your, your lifestyle embodies the gospel you are presenting. When you come and talk about the mercy and grace of God, it's easier for them to hear because they see it in how you are touching their lives. And that is powerful. Amen. Look, there are people who have made a profession of faith that may have been conned by false teachers today as in olden days, who have made a profession of faith but don't necessarily have saving faith. But we can be confident that we have saving faith if we have the marks that James talks about. And the first one here is important. He's talking here and saying, in this passage, he's telling us that like our Savior, we need to be demonstrating our genuine relationship with the Father by embracing the costly service of others. Remember Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, but made himself nothing, being taken the very nature of a servant. May Christ be seen in us this week. How can you know you're a true believer? Because like Jesus Christ, you'll demonstrate sacrificial love for others. I trust that today's encouragement of God's word has been helpful and served as an encouragement to not just be hearers of the word, but doers. Together, let's bring God's word to life, to our lives this week. The Crosstalk Podcast is a production of Crosstalk Global, equipping biblical communicators so every culture hears God's voice. To find out more or to support the work of this ministry, please visit www.crosstalkglobal.org. And while you're at it, Take a moment and leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find this show. Five-star ratings are the number one way people discover new podcasts. And be sure to listen next Friday as we continue our discussion of the book of James and go deeper into the question, how do I know my faith is genuine? You won't want to miss it. <laughs>